Let's see, last, last week I told you about the, the Christmas alphabet, right? <laughs> I got another one for you this week. So, what did the doctor ask the gingerbread man with the sore knee? Have you tried icing it? <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. <laughs> thank you that you are a fun God, that you love us, that you provide so perfectly. Thank you for your precious word, the manna from heaven. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for all those who are here today. Thank you that you have prepared their hearts and minds, the garden of their heart, to receive the seed of the Word of God. Thank you for doing the same for all those who will hear this message anywhere and anytime in the future. God bless all of you in England. And in Russia, Japan, I see you. I, I know. I, I, get the, I get the messages. I, in Norway and uh, Sweden, God bless you all. I, I'm missing so many. Canada, Spain, South America, all of the 29 countries down there. Thank you. Praying for you too. The Word of God has no limitations or boundaries. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for sharing us with us today and growing us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Luke chapter 2 is where we often go or the Christmas story. So I'm just going to stick with Luke today, the good doctor. He was a physical doctor. Our Father God is the great physician, the real doctor. Jehovah Rapha, that's his name. It says, I am the God who heals you. In Hebrew, it literally means your doctor. <laughs> Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. Wow. Wow. I want to kind of get at the core of that a little bit today. I'm going to read those verses again in a moment, but I'm going to start Luke chapter 1, the 26th verse. I want you to remember what those verses said, though. How Mary kept all these things in her heart, and she pondered them, meditated on the words and the shepherds, they glorified and praised God all the things that they had heard and seen. 
Luke 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, and listen to this, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. Back then, they weren't used to being complimented by God, you see. They were under the law. If he had come and said, listen here, you little sinner. She would have said, yes, Lord. But since he said she was highly favored of the Lord... And blessed among women, it bothered her a little bit. Yeah. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Fair question. This is not unbelief. This is just a question. (laughs) It's okay to ask God questions as long as your heart's right. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. I said, for with God, nothing will be impossible. All right. Then Mary said, listen to this. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. She said yes to God. Amen. And the angel departed from her. Now... Now she goes, just like any girl would do, after hearing some strange message like this. He gave her a clue, though. Hey, your your old cousin, who's barren and old already, she's in her sixth month. Something's happening with her, too. She was going to have John the Baptist, right? So what's Mary do? She rushes <laughs> out of town. To go check this out. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, check out, the Holy Spirit overcomes her. That the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. A fetus was the first one to praise God and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first person, I should say. 
Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Look, she didn't call and tell her anything. She didn't write or send a carrier pigeon. She didn't know anything about this until she saw her. And she didn't tell her. She had a word of knowledge. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Wow, what a word of knowledge. She knew when she saw her that the Messiah was in her womb. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. Listen to this. She's telling Mary, blessed are you for believing. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Because she believed, it would be fulfilled. Had she not believed, had she said no, God would have moved on. The song of Mary then, Mary starts to sing and magnify. The Holy Spirit comes over her and she begins to magnify and glorify God. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. And she praises and sings to God all the way through verse 55 under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Then in verse 56 it says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. And then, now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son. So, John the Baptist was born. Mary went back home to deal with all the fallout. And here we are in Luke chapter 2. I'm reading this all to you because I asked you all earlier in the month to, to read a chapter of Luke every day until Christmas, and if you... If you did, then you would have read the whole account, one whole account of Jesus' life. And on Christmas morning, you would have had a lot more understanding of what you were there to be thankful for. I don't think probably many of you have done it. So I'm going to help you. (laughs) At least this part of it. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. God used the government... He used these unjust rulers to get everything in place. It was said that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem, and they weren't in Bethlehem, but they were going to be. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. They had to go home to their hometown to be counted and, and taxed. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Just in case you're wondering, this is about a 90-mile walk with a pregnant wife, okay? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So she was big pregnant, right? That's what we would call it. (laughs) And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So her due date, her water broke. (laughs) And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And there were in that same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know what a manger is? A feeding trough. Usually hewn out of rock, out of the stone in the side of a cave. And that's where they put the food for the animals to eat. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Let's go check it out. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They became evangelists. And all they all that they had heard and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And here we go again. Listen to this. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Mary was a a listener. Yeah? She was a listener. She was taking all this in. She was just a young girl. And she was sort of stockpiling in her heart all the things that had been said regarding her and her baby, Jesus. The angel Gabriel had spoken God's words over her. And when she combined those words with faith, the word was implanted in her and began to grow. She went to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, who also spoke prophetically over Mary. So Mary was combining all the things she had heard from the angel Gabriel, from her relative Elizabeth, and now the shepherds come, and they're speaking prophecies from Scripture, and she begins to store these things up in her heart. Things she could meditate upon and remember when times were hard. Or when the cares of this world tried to drown out the word of God and his plans for her life. This is how we get revelation from the Holy Spirit. We take the words that God speaks or has spoken to us through His Word, or through His anointed servants, or visions, or dreams, or any other way that He chooses, a little child. And it has to align with this Word always, 
Remember that. And then we meditate on it. We meditate on it. And our, we engage our, our godly Christian imagination. The worldly imagination is usually full of lust and fantasies and wrong-minded things. But a godly imagination is where we get Christian hope. That's where we get to see the vision of the beautiful things down the road that God has for us. Hope for the Christian is what gives our faith a target. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will make these things revelation in our hearts and minds. And we can draw upon these truths when we need to. And they will help us. This is how... We obtain the, the battle plan of God from the Holy Spirit for our lives. We're in a war. Whether you admit it or not will help determine whether you win it or not. The victory is already yours in Christ. But if the devil can trick you into believing it's not, then you'll live a defeated life. When Jesus was about 12 years old, they, the whole family had to go up to Jerusalem every year for the annual Passover feast. And long story short, on the way home, I mean, there could have been a hundred of them. You know, it's the whole family, just they travel and they go and worship and they go home. And, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, my wife had that movie on for my granddaughter the other day, Home Alone. You know, and when they were leaving for vacation, they're like, did the head count and this and that and all that. You know, it's easy to it's easy to miss one. But they lost Jesus for three days. Imagine losing God. <laughs> but when they found him, he was in the temple. Listening to all the religious leaders and asking them questions. And they were amazed at how wise and intelligent he was regarding these things. And they, she, she went and asked him, you, why would you do this to us? Why would you treat us this way? We were worried. We are looking for you. He said, didn't you know I would be in my father's house and about my father's business? And again it says, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. She's like, what? See, we all think that she knew that God was impregnating her with God. And, you know, no. She knew he was the Messiah. But this little girl didn't even know what that meant, really. The most part, the nation of Israel thought the Messiah was going to be a natural Deliverer. He was going to come and take the throne and, and be a military and political leader and, and take back their nation from the Roman oppressors who had them. You see, I mean, they, they didn't think spiritually. They weren't really looking for a spiritual savior. They didn't really know anything about spirit, soul, and body. And she just... 
pondered all these things in her heart. She knew she was part of something special and big, but no way. She didn't have... You see, those who do not have the Spirit of God do not understand or even have the capability or the capacity to understand the things of God. Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived. Besides himself. <laughs> he didn't even have to throw that in. That's We know that. But he said, but the least of of you in the kingdom of God are greater than he. That's all of you. Because you have his spirit, you have the kingdom of God within you. So they found him and took him home and he submitted to them and grew. And it says he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Hallelujah. Back to Mary as our example today. She was faithful. She said yes to God. And she was faithful all the way. Even though she didn't understand always what was going on. From the time she decided to allow Christ to be conceived in her. Remember she said, let it be unto me as you have said. Till the time he was born, and keep in mind, there were many hardships and probable persecution for her faith in what God had said to her and done in her. Then throughout his, his growth, his life and ministry, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven, she was there and she was faithful. When the excitement was overwhelming and when the agony was unbearable, she was there. When the new wore off and the familiarity, she had to change his diapers. Familiarity began to to try and deceive her into seeing Jesus only after the flesh. It had to have happened. Instead of after the Spirit, which is who He truly is. When persecution and suffering came in, again, throughout the miraculous events that transpired, and, and then times of refreshing, which are always a promise of God. No matter what we go through, we can depend on times of refreshing. But she was faithful through it all. You may say, well, that's great. That's good for Mary. And uh, doggone, no wonder they light a candle for her every now and then. (laughs) But what's that got to do with me? Well, Mary is a picture of you. (laughs) A type. Type and shadow of the church. Her faithfulness, her life of obedience, her service to God, her life of love is an example for us 
like Mary, we should tuck the Word of God away in our hearts and cherish it and believe it and trust it and draw upon it. Yesterday, the Lord woke me up. I thanked Him. I praised Him. I told Him good morning. Same things I always do. I talked to Him. And then I began to pray in the Spirit. Before my feet ever touched the floor. Which is not unusual. But yesterday... I started seeking Him about today. I want to hear Him, what He wanted to say, what He had to say for today. And for, for whoever, whenever that He hear this message, in the future, if there be any others. So for you, for, for us, and for all the others. And I think that I've heard something from God... I believe that is for us, for the church, in this day and time, right now. He says, my people worry about the cares of this life instead of embracing their position and status as my children. And this is what's causing all their problems. Use the scripture here. From Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33, Jesus is telling us not to worry. 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry, this is Jesus speaking, about your life. Don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body. What you'll put on. It's not, life is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he gives an example. He says, look, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. He says, they're not farmers. They don't have to go out and till the ground and reap the harvest and gather it all into barns. They don't do any of that, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? And then he says, and gives another example. He says, I'm sure he's looking around. He sees some, uh, consider, consider the lilies of the field. A lily is just really a wildflower. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. In other words, they're not, they're not working now, if God so clothes the grass, he said, and yet I say to you that even Solomon, who was Solomon, God made sure of it, was the richest man and king that ever lived or ever will live. 
God made it so. And Jesus had seen him when he was in his glory. And he says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Talking about a beautiful flower. Just a lily of the field. He said, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Verse 31. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, they're chasing after all these things. The world is chasing after things and provisions and worrying about every little thing and need. He says, But you're not, you're not them. You don't have to do that. It doesn't mean you just don't do anything. Work is a blessing. We're supposed to work. That's not his point. It's the worrying and struggling and striving that he's talking about. He says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all this stuff. And then he gives the key. The key. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Get your priorities straight. And God will take care of the rest. You put Him first, He'll make sure you're never last. Here's what He told me. I was meditating on these scriptures. Maybe partly him, partly me in my translation of what I heard. That unction, that knowing that I got from the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Because it sounds more like me than him. But he said, peace, peace will clothe you. Worry or fear will slap you naked. (laughs) Peace will clothe you physically and spiritually. But worry or fear will do the opposite. If you're a true believer in Christ... You know, the kingdom of God is found in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? If you're a real believer, which I believe you all are, then you're righteous. You are righteous. It's not something that you can earn, it's a gift. It has to be received by faith. And if you know that you're righteous, you have to believe it. Just like Mary had to believe it and agree with God. He's not going to force anything on you, even if it's good. He's just that good. But you're righteous, and if you know it, you will have peace. Knowing that you are righteous in God's eyes will bring you peace. 
And if you get to that point, then the joy of the Lord will manifest and will give you strength. If you can believe. The problem is the world has muffled our spiritual hearing and our spiritual sight. I see it every day. More and more every day. And we need both spiritual hearing and spiritual vision to live and move in and after the Spirit of God. Especially now. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The Son of God became a man so that men might become sons of God. Romans 3, verses 21 and 22, says we have obtained God's righteousness through faith. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, apart from works, apart from anything you can do to earn it, do good, get good, do bad, get beat, no. Apart from all that, which Jesus nailed to the cross... Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then listen to this. To all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. We love to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. The Bible says those who do so are unwise. God says there's no difference in any of you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you're doing it based on your own merits, he says you're barking up the wrong tree. It's the gift of God to all who will believe on Jesus. Hallelujah. The great man of God, Charles Spurgeon, who's celebrating Christmas with the Lord many years past now. He said, you stand before God as if you were Christ. Because Christ stood before God as if he were you. Hallelujah. Y'all miss a lot of good places to shout. It's just because you're you're, you're 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 mulling it over, aren't you? You just you're chewing, you're chewing the chewing the cud. <laughs> I hope that's it. Romans fourteen seventeen says, "For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit." 
And then look at the next verse. I don't know if you ever noticed this. Whoever serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Now here, we have to be so careful when we read. I always tell you, when you, that blank page between Malachi and Matthew means so much. The new covenant is so different than the old. When Jesus really did make a difference, folks. And we have to read the Bible now through not rose-colored glasses, but, but grace glasses. The glasses of grace and truth to read and understand properly what God is telling us. Because when I used to read this, I made a work out of it. It said, the, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Whoever serves Christ in this way, I said, okay, okay, that means I have to be righteous. I have to be righteous. I have to do righteous. You see? I have to do instead of be. Actually, I have to, I mean, I have to be a human doing instead of a human being. <laughs> so if I do everything just right, then that means I would be pleasing to God and approved by men. You see, that's how I would read that. And that's how some of you read it. Yeah. But we don't want to make a work out of this, folks. This is life in the Spirit. This is life according to the Spirit of God. In faith. Living a life of faith. Trusting that you are righteous in God's eyes. You can live at peace. And then this will invoke the joy of the Lord, yes. which is your strength, yes. the Bible teaches us. And it will strengthen you for the race that God has set before you. Yes. Amen. Yes. You need to cherish the Word of God, the prophecies of God, the promises of God for your life. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Quench not the Spirit, capital S, Despise not prophecies. So there goes 80-90% of the churches in America today. The Holy Spirit is generally not invited in, not accepted. His, the gifts of the Spirit are not believed upon or allowed. And that has quenched the Spirit, you see? And it says, despise not prophecies. Okay? They don't allow prophesying either. And they don't believe in that. So what's happened? Ichabod. Ichabod. That means God has departed. By invitation. Really. Show you the door, Lord, of your church. What? Kidding me? This is about to change, though, folks. We have entered into this third great awakening, and people are going to be waking up to the truth of God's word and the deceptions of the enemy that he has perpetrated upon an entire culture. He's trying to steal an entire generation of young people from us and God's not going to stand for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
God told me, everything you ever need, I gave you in the, in the first few weeks of your new life and ministry with me. Now, other things were added and have been and are continued to be added, of course. God has always got more for us. If He gets more excited about showing us more and greater things, the more excited we get about it and the more we talk it up. But this gospel is not complicated. And he laid down the foundation and the basics of everything I really needed to know in a very short period of time. Now, I need to build on that and I'll continue to build on it. And I'll know more and more and more until I see him face to face when I'll finally know everything that I need to know. But there have been prophecies spoken over me. Dozens, dozens of prophecies. Things I can cherish, which I ponder about the grace of God and these hands healing thousands and how God is teaching me and how the dam was breaking and the gusher was coming forth and and how I would finance the gospel and the blessing and favor and purpose of God was manifesting in my life and how I was to be a pastor of pastors and God's pastor and some of the stories I've told you about the skunk and the <laughs> the courtroom and Jesus standing beside me as my advocate and the dreams and the visions and all those wonderful things. I cherish those things in my heart. And sometimes when I feel at my lowest, I draw upon those things. And they encourage and strengthen me. Coupled with the Word of God and what I have downloaded, what God has put in me of this Logos, then the Holy Spirit can draw upon those treasures to bring out the Rama, the now Word, the battle plan for today, for this problem, for this situation, for this trial, for this struggle, for this illness, for this problem. He's faithful. And so I want to be faithful like Mary. I said, Lord, if you'll come into my into my home into my heart today I'll never ask you to leave man did he come running wise men still do seek him amen still serve him still love him Still belong to Him. Still praise Him. But how bad do you want Him? i never forget the dream I had where that angel was just standing about from here to that door saying, How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? I knew exactly what He meant. 
We need to treasure up the things that God has said and done in our hearts. He's always giving us new revelation and gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of speaking in tongues. I know Don McAtee just received that gift recently. And uh, I pray that he's continuing to use that. See, some people get it and they think, okay, great. Now that proves they got it and I'm good. It's like an event. Check it off. And they don't realize how powerful that is, you see, and how necessary it is. Because that's what helps the Holy Spirit to... You can you pray that, you're bypassing all the flesh and you're entering right into the throne room of grace that you may obtain mercy and find favor in the time of need. And God is going to bring you wisdom now. He's going to give you details on that battle strategy like we talked about last week. We are God's children and we... Sometimes we we get this revelation, you know, people go seeking, they go from conference to conference to meeting to meeting, looking for a goosebump or a new revelation, and there are certain preachers that they go through this word, and they feel like if anybody else has ever ministered it before, they can't minister that, so they got to find something new, something fresh, and they, they make up the craziest things just to say that they have revelation. That's not revelation. Revelation is when I tell you John 3.16... Again, for the 8,000th time, and today God speaks something to your heart, and you go, wow. It's a rhema. It's a now word. It's a, an understanding. The light bulb goes off, you see. Ah, I finally see that. But God gives us these things, and we as His children, we get very excited about them. That's good. We should. Like kids on Christmas morning with new toys and presents. But you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And in my work, because I go to people's homes all over the place. And and I'm always walking around their homes. And, and I see a lot of the uh, those toys from Christmas. And Christmas is past, laying in the mud, <laughs> broken, or just thrown down and forgotten about, laying around the yard, you know what I mean? Well, we need to revive the things we have received and heard from God. We need to clean them up. We need to regain an expectant and positive attitude about the goodness of God and the things He has in store for us. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, first of all, And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's the part that people don't read. That's the greater revelation is on the second half of that scripture. If that light bulb would go off, you wouldn't make faith into a work anymore. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then he tells why and what that means. He goes, because you got to believe, first of all, you got to believe that I am who I am. And then you got to believe that I'm good. And that I want good for you. That's what he's saying. You are now a part, and I'm, I'm finished. But hear me. Don, you've got to listen to this later. You are now a part of the body of Christ. Yes. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Okay, now here we go again. When you hear that, what do you think? I used to think, because of Jesus, now I'm accepted by God. I'm, let me tell you how I translated accepted, tolerated. Now, now, now I'm tolerated by God because of Jesus, but closely watched. In case I needed to be excluded again. (laughs) Come on. I guess I'm the only one. Except I know everybody in here. Things about you that you never ever told me. Because I pray for you. And you're not all that confident. Some of you have thought just like I thought. Yeah, he accepts me, but he he don't probably very like me very much. How could he? Why would he? That's how I used to look at it. Let me tell you what I did. It's It's how... That's how unbelieving, I guess... Uh, I, 46 versions of the Bible in English only. I researched this scripture to see what he was saying. And of those 13, the translation in English says accepted. And two of them say acceptable. So he has made me accepted by the grace of God in Jesus are acceptable and that didn't help me because I was still translating accepted or acceptable as tolerated or tolerable you see (laughs) and the the others say other things which you can look it up if you want but here's where I got some freedom the word used here is only used one other time in the New Testament for made acceptable. It's in Greek it's karito. C H A R I T O O. The other place it's used in scripture is in Luke chapter 1 verse 28 where the angel Gabriel tells Mary she is highly favored karito of God. 
So place that in there. Instead of accepted to the praise of the glory of His grace, He has made us highly favored in the Beloved, in Christ. Not just highly favored, but highly favored in Christ. Now, any believer in Jesus Christ is part of the family of God, highly favored, greatly blessed, deeply loved, not just tolerated till the next time you make a mistake. God loves you. You're His child. And you can't talk Him out of it. In Him, in Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. How do you measure the riches of His grace? You can't. It's immeasurable. That's how forgiven you are. That's how loved you are. And I'll finish right here. Romans 8, chapter chapter 8, verses 31, starting at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things, Paul said? These things. Just for example, all these things that I've said. All these wonderful things that Jesus has done. That the Father has done. That the Holy Spirit has done. This determinate counsel. The Godhead. Your God. Three in one. What shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Remember how Jesus stood next to me in the courtroom and I looked around and there was no one to charge me, no one to condemn me, no one to accuse me, because He was my advocate. I was guilty as sin, but free as a bird because of Jesus. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God has given us an amazing gift in His Son. And Jesus has provided the victory for every aspect of our life. So keep God and His words in your heart. Keep His love and faithfulness 
His track record in your life, in your heart. Keep Jesus in your heart this Christmas and forever. Amen? He loves you. And so do I. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your unspeakable gift. This amazing way that you have humbly provided a way back to you. We love you for it. Help us to do everything that you have called us to be and to do just by trusting in you, believing your promises and your provision for our life, speaking it, settling for nothing less than the best that you have for us. Heal us everywhere we hurt. Empower us with your promises and your grace. Help us to realize your amazing love for us and prosper us beyond measure that we might be blessed to be a blessing and to go and help others with this same help we've received this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.